Welcome to season one of Prevention Greater Than Cure, a public health podcast brought to you by the Public Health Society at Grand Valley State University's School of Public Health. Our goal is to provide an avenue for current and future students to reflect on today's public health issues while building the competencies and skills they need to become public health professionals of tomorrow. For comments or questions about the podcast or the Grand Valley State University Public Health Society, please email us at gbsuphspodcast at gmail.com. Welcome back to another episode of Prevention Greater Than Care. Today, we're going to be talking about emergency preparedness, how to make a plan, and how to look out for your neighbors in the case of a disaster. So what is emergency or disaster preparedness? The term refers to the steps that you may take to make sure that you're safe before, during, and after an emergency or natural disaster. These plans are important for your safety in both natural disasters and man-made disasters. Since the events of September 11, 2001, and more recently, Hurricane Katrina, and even more recently, the power outages in Texas due to inclement weather, Americans are way more aware of emergencies than they were in the past. According to a recent poll, 96% of Americans feel that it's important to prepare for emergencies, but less than 20% describes themselves as totally prepared. So that's what the purpose of this podcast is, to help everybody feel like they're a little bit more prepared and possibly create their own plan. So first, we're going to talk a little bit about climate change and disasters. Because climate change threatens human health, including mental health, access to clean air, safe drinking water, nutritious food, and shelter. And everyone can be affected by climate change and usually will be at least one time in their life. So some people are more affected by climate change due to where they live, their age, health, income, occupation, and how they go about their day-to-day lives. So people that live in the South or live out on the West Coast are going to have more issues with things like hurricanes and tornadoes and earthquakes than us here in the Midwest. So climate change related health impacts may affect people with disabilities way more than other people. Individuals with disabilities often already face barriers in accessing health care services and in receiving timely public health or emergency information in an accessible format during a disaster. They also experience high rates of social risk factors that contribute to poor health, such as poverty, unemployment, and lower education. So this is why we really want to focus on disabilities and disaster preparedness in this episode. When we talk about disabilities, what do we mean? So Approximately one in five people in the United States has a disability. This includes about half of all American adults, which are 65 years or older. So if you think about your grandparents or 
even for some of us, our aunts or our uncles. And then 17% of Americans between the ages of 21 and 64. Disabilities can occur in one or more areas related to communication, cognitive function, or physical functioning. In communication, this affects seeing, hearing, or speaking, which can include individuals who are deaf, hard of hearing, blind, or visual impaired, or have a speech or language disorder. Cognitive functioning is in your ability to plan, comprehend, and reason in a timely fashion. This could include people with Down syndrome, traumatic brain injuries, Alzheimer's disease, or dementia, as well as a variety of other neurological disorders. Physical functioning, obviously, is a limited or no ability to walk, climb stairs, or lift or grasp objects. So this is more of the disability that we tend to think of when someone says that they have a disability. We don't tend to think of the other two. But for the millions of Americans who have physical, medical, sensory, or cognitive disabilities, emergencies can present a real challenge. The same challenges are also applicable to the elderly and other special needs populations. Protecting yourself and your family, friends, and neighbors when disaster strikes requires planning ahead of time. So there's a lot of different types of disasters, but for the most part, we're going to focus on natural disasters. So when we think of natural disasters, a lot of times we think of earthquakes or floods or hurricanes, but it can also include things like drought and landslides and power outages or severe thunderstorms, tornadoes, tsunamis, wildfires, or even severe winter storms. That's really what we're used to here in Michigan because winter gets a little bit wild sometimes. But also, we can currently consider coronavirus a natural disaster. It has completely flipped our lives upside down, and I think everybody can agree with me when I say that. So why should you prepare for a natural disaster? You could be anywhere when a disaster strikes. You could be at work, you could be at school, You could be on vacation, and if you don't have a plan in place, you could really be in some big trouble, especially because emergencies and disasters strike quickly and without warning. They don't care about your plans. They don't care about what you're trying to do for the day. None of that. And it can force you to evacuate your neighborhood or confine you to your home, which is where we can discuss coronavirus as the shelter-in-place confined us all to our homes. And you really have to think about what would you do if basic services like water or gas or electricity or telephones were cut off without notice because local officials and response workers are not going to be able to reach everybody right away. But planning puts you in a way better position to address the emergency head on and cope with a disaster. So in the rest of this episode, we're going to be going over the steps to get yourself prepared in case of a natural disaster. And these steps are, one, get informed. And you're already watching this podcast, and I hope you attend our event on April 8th 
at 6.30 via Zoom to discuss what experts in the field have to say about emergency preparedness. So you're already ahead of schedule. You're getting informed. Number two, make a plan. And three, assemble a kit. And four, maintain your plan and your kit. Okay, so step one is get informed. Like I said, you're already ahead because you're listening to this podcast. But here's the information that you need to know before you come up with a plan of how you're going to handle an emergency or how you're going to help support your neighbors in an emergency. So you want to create a personal support network. Public health is all about social networks. So you need to identify a group of people that you trust and that you respect and you feel safe with that can help you identify and get the resources that you need to cope effectively with a disaster. So they can help you prepare, they can help you during, or they can help you after. And then you want to organize a network that includes your home, your school, workplace, if you volunteer anywhere, or any places that you spend a lot of time. This could be roommates, relatives, neighbors, friends, coworkers, really anybody that you have a trusted relationship with. And you can also be this person for someone who may need your help during a disaster. For example, my neighbors, I have neighbors on both sides of me that have special needs children. So not only should I prepare for myself, but I should also prepare in the case that my neighbors aren't prepared for their children during a disaster or prepare for the old man across the street that has limited mobility so that if I need to help him, then I can be that person. I can be a part of their personal support network. You're going to want to complete a personal assessment on yourself, on your family, neighbors, whoever you know that you're going to have to help during a disaster. So first, you want to decide what you will be able to do for yourself and what assistance you might need before, during, and after a disaster. And then obviously apply that to all the people that you know that you're going to need to help. And you can start this by making a list of your personal needs and your resources for meeting them in a disaster environment. Think about personal care like bathing or grooming and getting dressed. If you have trouble with that type of thing, then you need to have a resource that can help you in that situation. Also think about water services. What if that gets turned off? What if you can't heat your water? Do you have a backup? Do you have a deal with your utility company that maybe your services get turned back on first because you're dependent on that? Do you have personal care equipment like a shower chair or a cart to help you get around? Anything like that. Or even adaptive feeding devices for individuals with Parkinson's disease. They have specialty silverware that they would have to keep with them. Do you have that in a safe spot? Do you have extras so that you could take it with you? These are all just things that you have to think about. And then also really important is 
the electrically dependent equipment like medical equipment? Do you have a backup generator? Do you have something with your electrical company that will really help you to make sure that your electricity stays on so that you don't have to go for an extended amount of time without your equipment? Additionally, thinking about things like disaster debris and transportation, especially if you need a specially equipped vehicle or accessible transportation. Then you have to look at if you can even do your errands by yourself. Can you, you know, go get your groceries or medications and medical supplies? Or are you going to need someone to help you go get those things? You know, with coronavirus, we've been having a lot of success with curbside pickup and delivery and things like that. So that's a great way to get around it. But depending on the disaster, you don't know if those types of services are going to be available. And then especially significant to the college population is building evacuation or those who live in an apartment. Are you able to leave your home without help? Can you evacuate independently? What if the elevators are shut down and you have a wheelchair and there's no mobility aids or ramp access or sleds that help you get down the stairs. And then you also have to consider service animals and emotional support animals. Will you be able to care for them? Do you have their licenses? Do you have their registration that they're up to date on their shots? Things like that. It's all things to consider before you start planning. And then you also want to look at community hazards and learn about hazards that are specific to your location. So in Michigan, we don't really have to worry about tsunamis, but you never know. And then look at what your community already has in place in regard to disaster plans. Learn about response plans, evacuation plans, and designated emergency shelters just in case something ever happens. Also learn about your community's warning systems. How does your local authority warn you of a pending disaster and how will they provide information with you during and after a disaster? And making sure that if it's through radio that you have battery powered radios or crank radios things like that to make sure that you always have access to the emergency information. Also, maybe reach out and ask about assistance programs. Uh, you can ask about special assistance programs that are available in the event of an emergency. Many communities have people with disabilities register either with a local fire or police department or maybe even the local emergency management office so that needed help can be provided quickly in an emergency, especially if you're electric dependent. Be sure to register with your local utility company like I talked about earlier. So if power goes out, you're not left without that needed medical care for an extended amount of time. Your next step is to make your plan. So you want to meet with your family or your personal care attendants if you do have a disability 
or even the building manager at your apartment or your manager at work so that you can make sure that you have a plan wherever you're at. And also a cool little tip that I found out from talking to an emergency preparedness expert was that you should really choose an out-of-town contact because did you know that after a disaster, you should call and let this person know because it's often easier to get a hold of someone through a long-distance call than an in-town call after a natural disaster. I thought that was really interesting, and it makes sense because all the lines are going to be busy of people calling emergency services and stuff like that. So that is a really good thing to keep in mind. Also, just to have one more person who knows where you're at and what you may need and can contact the rest of your family. And if you are in a family situation, you should all decide where you're going to meet in the case of a fire or carbon monoxide alarm going off or if you have to evacuate and you're not all in the same place. And that leads me to you need to make sure you have a communication plan. You need the contact information for all of your family members, members of your support network, caregivers, work, and school, any place that you spend a lot of time at, your group of people should be able to have a way to get in contact with you so that they all know that they're going to the same place. And then also a good idea is to have escape routes and safe places. And you can even use a blank sheet of paper to draw the floor plan of your home and show the locations of exits and where the family could meet in case of a fire or another evacuation need. Also, and this one is really overlooked quite a bit by people in an emergency situation, you wanna plan for your pets too. If you're going to evacuate, you wanna take them with you. It's gonna be tough, but pets mean a lot to all of us and you don't wanna leave your friend behind. So you could also, could have a list of family, friends, boarding facilities, vets, and pet-friendly hotels that you could shelter your pets at in an emergency. Also, make sure that you're prepared for different hazards. Like I've talked about a little bit before, in Michigan, we don't have that many hazards, but you should still prepare just in case. We don't know if we might have flooding from the Great Lakes, but it is something to be prepared for. Now, when it comes to individuals with disabilities, there's quite a few considerations that need to be taken into account. I'm just going to go over a few of them because there really is a long list. So, learning what to do in case of power outages or personal injuries. You really need to know how to connect and start a backup power supply for essential medical equipment. I've talked about that a couple of times. That's super important. Also, you may want to consider getting a medical alert system that will allow you to call for help if you are immobilized in an emergency. There's uh, the most known ones like Life Alert, but there are other companies that make these types of devices that help you communicate when you can't get to a phone. 
Also, if you have an electrical wheelchair or scooter, make sure that you have a manual wheelchair for backup. It's not ideal, but it's better to have it than to not have it, and then you're stuck in your situation. Also, make sure that you teach those who may need to assist you how to operate your necessary equipment. This could really, really help you in the case of an injury during a disaster. And then make sure that you have backup equipment at your neighbor's home maybe, or school, or at your workplace, so that if the disaster happens while you're there, you're prepared already. Also, it's really important to know about your utilities, and this is for everybody. Not very many people know how important it is to turn off water, gas, and electricity at the right times and make sure that this happens before you leave your house. And then, super important, Grand Valley just got done working with Michigan Prevention. So we know how important these are. And make sure that you have a well-kept fire extinguisher, the ABC type. So they're super easy and make sure that you know where they're kept. And also make sure you install smoke alarms on each level of your home, especially near the bedrooms and sleeping areas. And individuals with sensory disabilities could actually install smoke alarms that have strobe lights and even vibrating pads so that they alert you in a way that is accessible. And then also make sure that you have adequate insurance coverage. Homeowner insurance does not cover flood damage most of the time and may not provide full coverage for other hazards. So talk to your insurance agent and make sure that you have adequate coverage to protect your family from financial losses. Also, it's always a good idea to have a first aid kit with a AED if you have the money for it, but just make sure that you have a first aid kit with even just a face shield so that you can perform CPR or someone else can perform CPR on you. Also, you might want to take the time to inventory all of your possessions in your home just in case of damage or issues with them being lost or stolen during a disaster. Also, make sure that your vital documents like your birth certificate, social security card, wills, deeds, immunization records, which a lot of people don't think about, are kept in a safety deposit box or another safe location where they're not going to get damaged, say, if a flood happens. Also, you really just want to reduce home hazards. So make sure that you have a shutoff switch if you have oxygen equipment near your bed or chair so you can quickly get to it if there's a fire because you don't want the fire meeting that oxygen equipment. Also, make sure you prepare all of your wi- like your wiring. Make sure that all of that is safe and when you see a frayed wire, you get that repaired. Also, place all of your heavy objects on low shelves or and hang your pictures or your mirrors or things like that away from your bed. It's the little things that people don't tend to think about. 
and even maybe having restraints to secure big cabinets or bookshelves or large appliances to the wall in case of an earthquake if that's something that happens near you. Then your next step is to actually assemble a disaster supply kit because in the event that you need to evacuate at a moment's notice, you're not going to have the opportunity to go to the store and shop or search around your house for the supplies that you and your family are going to need. So every household should assemble a disaster supplies kit and keep it up to date. Some examples of things that should be included in your basic disaster supplies kit. The CDC and American Heart Association recommend three-day supply of non-perishable food and also a three-day supply of water. Also, things like a portable battery-powered radio, flashlight, extra batteries, the first aid kit, all of those things that we've already talked about. On top of that, you're going to want sanitation and hygiene items like hand sanitizer and toilet paper. You don't want to get stuck in a disaster without basic hygiene items. Also, you would want some matches and a waterproof container, extra clothing and blankets, photocopies of your identification and maybe your credit cards, and then also cash and coins because a lot of times during a disaster, you're not going to be able to find a place where you can take money out of an ATM. You're going to need to have some cash on hand. Also, you want to make sure that you have your special items like prescription medications, your glasses, contact lens solution, and hearing aid batteries for those with hearing impairments. Also, items for infants such as formula, diapers, bottles, and pacifiers, and always tools, pet supplies if you have a pet that you need to evacuate with, a map of the local area, and any other items that meet your unique family needs. And then if you're from Michigan, like I am, and you live in this cold, cold climate during the winter, you have to think about warmth. Warmth is your friend. So if it's possible to have extra clothing in your car, like jackets or and coats and long pants, and sturdy shoes, a hat, mittens, and scarf, and a sleeping bag or warm blanket, you should definitely do it. Basic supplies for your vehicle, you could have a flashlight in there, the first aid kit, a tire repair kit, and extra bottled water, and non-perishable foods, and then seasonal supplies like we talked about with maybe a shovel, sand, Not a lot of people that aren't from Michigan will understand the sand part, but to help you get out of a ditch, maybe tire chains or a windshield scraper and fluorescent distress flags, or they even have kits at most grocery stores that have an entire emergency kit for you that you can put in your car. And last but not least, you want to maintain your plan. Make sure you're reviewing your plan every six months and you're conducting drills that are appropriate to your family. 
test your fire alarms, your carbon monoxide detectors, and any other equipment that you might need in a disaster. And then if disaster strikes, your first plan should always be to go to a family or friend and stay with them because they can accommodate your needs the best. Also make sure you're listening to the radio or television for the location of emergency shelters and for instructions. Note that the emergency shelters that are accessible to those with physical disabilities and those that have disability-friendly assistance features. Those are really important for those that may not be in the best situation because they do have a disability. Also, like I talked about before, make sure you shut off your water, your gas, and electricity if instructed to do so and if time permits. Make sure you're wearing appropriate clothing and sturdy shoes. Take your disaster supplies kit. That's why we did this podcast so that you could make it. And don't forget to lock your home. A lot of people forget to lock their home when they're panicking and they're trying to just get out and evacuate. And then a lot of times the local authorities will let you know which routes are safe Do not use shortcuts during these times because certain areas may not be passable or they may be just downright dangerous. And then confirm upon arrival at wherever you're evacuating to that they can make, they can meet your special care needs. And then also inform the members of your support network and your out-of-town contact that we talked about before of your location and your status. We've talked a little bit today about just the sheer importance of emergency preparedness. You never know when a disaster is going to strike, and we all like to think that it could never be us, but we need to start looking at it as it can always be us. So I hope that you found this information at least a little helpful. And I hope, like I said before, that you take the time and you come to our event on April 8th to learn more about disaster preparedness, especially when it regards to individuals with disabilities. Thank you again for listening, and I hope you have a great day.